This is the Frog for Life podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline. So I owe lots of TCU. I, you know, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I went into business because a lot of my, a lot of my uh, friends, fraternity bros, went into the business school. Uh, but once I got there, I really, I really felt like seeing the the wide range of, of classes and, and subjects that I had to take, uh, not only in business but but across across campus. I was doing Spanish. I was doing religion. Um, we were doing uh, accounting. So just being exposed to so many different um, subjects there at TCU, along with the social aspect, uh, prepared me to, to come into the world and, and to uh, excel at whatever I chose to do. That is the voice of Chris Kalecki, who graduated from TCU in 2000. Chris will talk about his experience as a football player for the Horn Frogs, graduating with a degree in finance, and his current work as a pilot and instructor. And we're excited to be joined by Chris Kalaki. He is a former TCU kicker on the football team, a member of Lambda Chi fraternity, a graduate of the Neely Business School, and currently a pilot for United Airlines. So thank you so much for joining us today, Chris. Thanks for having me. Well, first I want to touch on why you came to TCU in the first place. Was it because of that football background, or what led you to TCU? You know, a few things. I uh, Obviously, I was very interested in football. I uh, was going to, I had uh, opportunities to play at a few different schools. Um, and I got, I came to TCU because they ended up at a, uh, one of my high school games. Um, they were, I think they were there to recruit somebody else, but they came to a, came to a field that we were playing at early. And I happened to hit along the field goal in one of those games. And so I came up and, uh, got invited up to, to come and visit the campus and see it. And, uh, uh we had, uh, from my high school in Austin, we had a few uh, students that had gone to TCU really liked it. And, uh, when I came up to the campus and visited, um, I really, really liked the school and, and I, I liked the, the, the team and I thought I'd have an opportunity to play there. Sullivan was a head coach and, uh, Dan Sharp was a position coach. I understand he's back there at TCU. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, uh, when I came up, uh, we got to visit with them, and it was. It, the stadium had not been at all remodeled. It was just one uh, upper deck on one side. It had the old TCU in purple, kind of the old school uh, lettering, and our uniforms were silver with the uh, purple purple horn frog, uh, but excuse me, the purple letters with just the TCU across the side. Uh, Jeff Dover was a quarterback. Um, Patrick Bateau was there, and nobody knew who Ladanian Tomlinson was yet. <laughs> And obviously all that would change. Well, you were a big part of that that turnaround in 1998 and 2000. You were first team all whack. You're as a as a kicker, you're second all-time in school history in a single season in field goal percentage going 16 of 18 for 89%. So, I mean, what what led you to be such a, a successful kicker? It's one thing to be, you know, get to play college football, it's another thing to be as successful as you were at it. Yeah, well, one thing not a lot of people know about me was I was actually invited walk-on. They had uh, an All-American kicker by the name of Mike Reeder who was there. And they said, you know, I'd I'd be the kicker after he left, but um, the scholarship wasn't guaranteed at all. Um, So I, knowing that I had to, I knew I'd be competing against whoever came in. um, I I just, uh, I tried to learn as much from Mike as I could. Um, And being as such, he was such a great kicker. um, I, I, I tried to pick up, his practice techniques and skills and, and uh, really, really honed what I, what I could do already into, into something that was um, good um, from what he taught me. So it was, I owe a lot of it to, to Mike um, and, and learning um, from him as a mentor to develop what I could do in the field. Chris was present for one of the milestones in TCU football history. 
a matchup against USC in the Sun Bowl. That was a fun game. Uh, you know, it's funny that you bring that up. Somebody asked me about that the other day. We were talking about the uh, championship games this weekend. Uh, we, I remember that I don't even know if the Sun Bowl, I wasn't sure how, how much they really wanted us there. Um, they were Once we got there, they couldn't have been any more gracious hosts. But I don't, I don't know if you remember, TCU really wasn't, like you said, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't a powerhouse yet. Um, I think that they, you know, us being the state of Texas, we bring a lot of fans. Um, and USC, um, I, I don't quite remember how how their season was, but you know, it was kind of one of those those opportunities to play against an Oklahoma or Texas or a Ohio State or somebody like that. You just really wanted to to make an impression. Um, you know, all I can really do is kick field goals and, and do kickoffs and stuff. So I, you know, just, I could do my part, but I remember the team was very motivated to really do well in that game and, and, uh, and let people know that we, we belong there. So I remember us working really hard during the bowl season and, and our practices were really up tempo and, and upbeat and everybody was, was pretty fired up. And that was coach Fran's first year. So, um, his, um, when he was there, uh, he really, he really got us, got us going in the right direction. And, um, I just remember what the surprise. Uh, I watched the uh, broadcast from CBS, and I just remember the surprise of the announcers uh, when we when we got up on them, and, and they just couldn't come back on us. So it was it was a lot of fun, and I I think that was really Ladanian's first uh, kind of breakout game as well. So I, I remember him running all over the field as well. And that was the thing I wanted to transition to next. Obviously, Ladanian's probably the most famous teammate you've ever played with and probably a lot of people at TCU have ever played with. So tell us a good story or two of some things that, that you know about LaDainian Thomason as a teammate and things that people don't necessarily see aside from, you know, just him running up and down the field. Well, uh, I just remember more than anything, um, LaDainian being just a good person. Uh, I remember he, I know his mom attended the games and he, his mom, my mom, mom interacted a little bit. Um, I lived in the apartments with him, um, just, you know, next door to him. We all kind of lived in the same apartment complex down there off Hewlin. And, uh, I just remember, just remember him always, always being around, being a good person. And he treated me just like he treated anybody else. And, and every time I saw him interact with, you know, whether it's kids or fans or, or teammates or teachers or coaches, he always treated everybody with a lot of respect. And, um, that, that's the thing I remember most about Ladanian. I mean, I, his skills obviously speak for themselves on the, on the field. I mean, he, he could run anywhere and do anything. So it was, a, it was a, he was a really great teammate to have, and I didn't sense any any change in him when he got to be a Heisman candidate. So that's the thing I remember about Ladanian the most. And with the Super Bowl upcoming, I'm sure you have a unique perspective. We saw in one of the championship games that the field goal kicker was such a pivotal part of of sending the teams to the Super Bowl. We saw that with the Rams making the 57-yard field goal. So as a kicker, um, having that perspective, what is it like in a big game as you're trying to make that, that game-winning kick and the teams either could go on or not go on based on, on what you do? Yeah, that's you know those were great games. Um, believe it or not, I was traveling in the car, so I, I heard both the ending of both games on the radio. <laughs> but um, the the, uh, the the closest thing I can equate it to uh, from my own uh, experiences was when we played Vanderbilt that first season. Um, actually, I guess it was '98, um, and I had to kick a 50-yarder to put it into overtime against them. And I don't know if you remember, I think that was right one of the first years they stopped doing the ties in college football and they did the overtimes. And um, so we drove down the field and ended up having to have a 50 yarder to, to tie it. And I made it. And I, I remember watching, or excuse me, hearing the, um, 
the broadcast on television and uh, the color announcer, whoever it was, said that uh, Zerline's kick was, um, I think his name was Zerline, the Rams kicker's kick would have been good from like 77 instead of 57. <laughs> and there's just a lot of adrenaline and uh, and you just hope that you hit the ball, hit the ball well and, and uh, all your practice pays off. <laughs> I also wanted to add, uh, you know, there's been talk, you know, it's been 20 years since I played, but uh, there's been talk of them, you know, they're trying to eliminate the, the kicking game uh, that comes, seems to come up about every five years. Uh, but the kickers are, are pretty valuable. We score a lot of points. And, uh, and as you can see, uh, it adds a lot of excitement to the game, I think, especially near the ending when it comes down to a field goal. They're the guys nobody talks about for the first 58 minutes of the game. And then when you need to win the game, they're the most important person in the building. You either love them or hate them, right? You're either the hero or the goat. Aside from being a very successful student athlete, Chris also found time to be involved in other organizations on campus. Well, uh, the fraternity thing came about. Uh, one of the uh, one of the old classmates I had from St. Michael's in, in Austin, there in Westlake, uh, she ended up at TCU, and she introduced me to uh, one of the members of the fraternity. And prior to me, even me even arriving on campus, uh, a lot of the fraternities, I guess, they kind of rushed me, tried to see if they if I would uh, join the fraternity, and I really felt like I fit in with the Lambda Tide group. Um, they were just a bunch of good guys, and it. Um, it was good to be involved with them socially, and and uh, I just got to meet meet some good people. And uh, on the student athlete side, I you just you just kind of accept the fact when you're when you're playing, um, whether you're doing a fraternity or or you're doing academics, just just accept the fact that you're going to do things in college a little bit differently. You just are not going to have the time to do do everything a, a normal student would do, which is okay. It's you know it's not for everybody. Uh, but you just you just manage your time and 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 learn to learn when you when you need to show up and where you need to be and and, and get your schedule going. So it was good because it taught me a lot uh, that I carry forward into today being a pilot about punctuality and being prepared and stuff. Um, but it was uh, I don't I don't feel like I missed out on that college experience um, because of the social aspect of of the fraternity and and uh, also the social aspect of my teammates on the football team. And you mentioned that you were a pilot, but you graduated with a degree in finance. So what did you do upon graduation um, with that degree? And then how do you transition into being a pilot? Yeah, that's a pretty good story. So I actually, um, in, in college, uh, one of my fraternity brothers, his family owned a, a few airplanes. And, my, and uh, not many people know my dad was in the Air Force. So I kind of grew up around aviation. My mom was also a pilot as well. Um, she was a private pilot and flew while she was pregnant with me. So I kind of been around aviation um you know, growing up, and I, I really enjoyed it. I had an internship with Ameritrade, TD Ameritrade, in college, and uh, although I had a great experience and learned a lot, I, I really didn't didn't enjoy just sitting in a cubicle all day. And um, so, graduating, I I wanted to, I was planning on trying out to to go into the, the Air Force and the Air National Guard. It didn't work out, but I stuck with the flying. I, I just went out to Florida out to flight school and, and did that for, for a period of time. And then I just stuck with stuck with the flying aspect. And so I, immediately after college, I went out to Florida and then I got, got all my ratings and licenses and, and I started teaching after that. And I, and I became a, an instructor just for private pilots. And so how long does it take to get all your certifications and the safety training? And we see, you know, the general public sees a, a certain face of, you know, the safety protocols and all the things you have to do. And, and we see pilots when we fly, but I don't think the public truly appreciates all the safety courses and trainings that really go into such a dedicated craft. 
Yeah, it's, you know, getting your ratings, uh, you can do it a few different ways. You know, if you're in the military and, and you work your way up through different airplanes that you fly there, you get you get a certain amount of time. It's all, it's all based on, on time and number of hours that you have in, in the airplanes. So you can get, get all your ratings, but I didn't have the experience yet to, to apply for the airline. So I had to go do flight instruction for a while, which is which is a really good route for me because I was I had to teach what I already knew, and that that further um, advanced my skills as a pilot. Um, it can take you can do it as short as short as a, a year getting your initial ratings, but then you have to get all of your instructor ratings. Uh, for me, it took it took a total of about two and a half to three years to become eligible to even apply for the airlines, and then once I did that. Um, I finally got on with uh, a company called Commute Air, which is a little turboprop outfit out of out of the Northeast. And having not seen snow too many times growing up in Texas, I, it was a rude awakening when I got up to Plattsburgh, New York, for my first uh, airline flight. And so, what was it like uh, flying in snow and flying, you know, in weather? And and how much can you simulate that in your training? And then, how do you deal with that when it's not just you know simulated, but you're actually dealing with you know, the tough landing conditions and, and all that. Well, that's a good question, Rob. I, I, I'm actually uh, at United um, in the Continental prior to that. I was, I'm was i actually an instructor in the 737 now. So I, I teach here in the simulator building, and I uh, we're able, to, with our simulators as advanced as they are these days, we can simulate pretty much anything from icing to weather to clouds to pretty much any malfunction that the airplane can have, we can do it in the simulator. So uh, the answer that you're looking for is, 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 is very closely, we can emulate what, what actually happens. Now it is a little bit different when you're, when you're actually flying the airplane and you're in the weather and you hear chatter on the radios and everything, but um, we train our pilots to a level to, to handle all of that stuff. And uh, so you can, you can simulate those emergencies and, and, and the situations that you deal with, anywhere in the world here in the simulator and talk about your daily schedule are, are you mostly are you do you find yourself in different cities a lot of the week or are you mostly based in denver austin dallas where do you typically what's your typical work week look like yeah so it's um now now being a simulator instructor uh i fly about three three times a month um so i'll go down to houston and and fly for united out of houston three times a month but the majority of the time i spend here in denver colorado that's where our training facility is for United. And uh, I still live in Decatur, just outside Fort Worth, but uh, I travel up uh, usually on a Monday or Tuesday, and then I do either similar events, checking uh, uh, pilots or, or training pilots. I do a lot of uh, projects for the company, uh, developing training tools uh, for United, uh, or I go fly. So I sometimes I may find myself in a different city or a different part of the world, but uh, most most of my time is spent here in Denver, Colorado. Do you have any uh, memorable stories of flights you've taken as a pilot that were maybe a little more adventurous than you would prefer, or any uh, memories that really stick out? Uh, I do. <laughs> uh, I'm a little hesitant to share too much, uh, but I, I have been in some situations that, that I had to rely on, uh, on, a, on a lot of my training. Some of my training that I received down in Florida uh, to get myself out of some some situations that were less than desirable to be in, um, so I do have a few memories that that stick out. And you know, online in the airlines, uh, flying has become so safe. We have so many redundant systems that even if you do have, uh, you know, what we consider an emergency situation or a, what we call it as a non-normal situation, we we have procedures and training to deal with most of it. So 
Uh, luckily, most of the uh, malfunctions or anything that I've encountered throughout my entire career, I've, I've been able to handle with with procedures and and, and just safety, or, or even more than that, just preventative measures. Uh, you can safely plan a flight on the ground uh, in the planning area to prevent a lot of situations that may occur in the air. Perfect. And so I'll I'll wrap up with this. You, you talked about the uh, your experience as a student athlete and then transitioning to a pilot. What do you think is maybe the main thing that going to TCU, how that led you to where you are today? Is there any certain things or attributes you think that your experience here gave you that have prepared you for, you know, your life as a training instructor and other parts of your life? Yeah. Uh, so I owe a lot to TCU. I, you know, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I went into business because a lot of my, a lot of my uh, friends, fraternity bros went into the business school. Uh, but once I got there, I really, I really felt like seeing the, the wide range of, of classes and, and subjects that I had to take, uh, not only in business, but, but across, across campus. I was doing Spanish. I was doing religion. Um, we were doing uh, accounting. So just being exposed to so many different um, subjects there at TCU, along with the social aspect, uh, prepared me to, to come into the world and, and to uh, excel at whatever I chose to do, which ended up being a pilot. So I think uh, I mentioned earlier about you know, learning punctuality and and um, and responsibility and 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 to manage your time, being the student athlete, to the social aspect of being a fraternity, to having to buckle down and try to get good grades in the business school. I think all of it uh, contributed to me being successful uh, as a pilot. So I think that TCU uh, ability to be on a small campus, uh, smaller campus than than say a UT or a Tech or an OU. Um, where you, you get to develop relationships with your professors or you get to develop relationships with your friends and uh, you're not spread out all over all over a 10-mile area or, or, uh, versus what we have at TCU, that really prepared me to, to be successful in, in whatever I chose to do. And living outside Decay, do you, do you get to come back to campus often? Yeah, I tried to attend a few football games. In fact, I went to the Iowa State game this year and, and up in the uh, Letterman's area and I saw a lot of my old friends there. And I, I try to come to a game or two. We have a we have a small, a little guy at home, so uh, my wife and I can't travel too often these days. But um, I try to come to some football games every year, uh, usually a baseball game or two. And um, I haven't been to the, the basketball facility since they renovated that, but we've got a, a good basketball team now, so I'm anxious to see them play some, some Big 12 schools there as well. And what is maybe since you get to come back here, you know, a little more often than some others do, what are, what is kind of some takeaways you have of how campus has changed from when you first stepped on campus in 96 to where we are today? I think the thing that's changed the most for me is the energy. I mean, I think the football program, uh, you know, what we started back in, in 98, uh, really 96, 97, from going through those tough years to where they are now um, is the energy. Uh, Coach Patterson's, uh, you know, made the program so great. It's it's nationally talked about. I'll, I'll be in Spokane, Washington or something, and, and they'll find out I played for TCU, and everybody's heard of TCU now versus – uh, before uh, nobody had heard of TCU, they thought they were, you know, a liberal arts school or didn't even play football. So it's, you go on campus now, you got students w- really wanting to be there. The all the new buildings, the, the campus looks like a completely different place. But you can still see the old, the old architecture. They've, they've been true to that. Uh, you can still see the Frog Fountain, but then you've got a brand new football stadium and uh, practice facility that we didn't have, you know, back in in '98. Um, so I think the Everybody seems very excited to be there. Um, you see, a, another thing I always notice during the football games is you see a lot of fans uh, who maybe don't even have any uh, vest, vested interest in TCU or 
or Texas or something. They just want to, they just live in Fort Worth and want to come to the game because, because it's exciting and fun to go um, versus we were struggling to get, you know, 13, 14, 15,000 people to games back in, back in 96, 97. So um, it's, it's just a lot of fun to be part of that and know that you, that you uh, dedicated a lot of your life to that. Um, and so you, you get, you, you get to have fun with the knowing that you in some small way contributed to what they got now. And I just, I just hope they keep going that direction. Thank you to KTCU and student Jake Hook for the assisting and the editing of this episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Frog for Life podcast. If you or a friend or family member would like to share your story of your life since graduation, please contact us on social media or leave us a comment on our SoundCloud channel. We look forward to sharing the next story of how Horn Frogs are changing the world.